it was like church for for movie lovers. It was like welcome. You know, all are welcome. I'm Peter Creighton, and welcome to The Looking Glass, a program that examines the stories behind personal interests. Working at a university has allowed me the opportunity to meet an incredible group of intelligent and creative individuals. The passion these few individuals demonstrate for broadcasting, storytelling, and writing inspires me to be a better storyteller. But one former student in particular and his passion for filmmaking stood out above the rust. Join me as we meet Brian Lochran and discover how he became passionate about filmmaking. I call this entry the South Side Film Buff. Right off the top, love Star Wars, loved Episode 7. I'm going to pay to see every Star Wars movie till I'm dead. Brian worked for me at the student newspaper I help oversee. He was an opinion writer and eventually became the editor-in-chief of the newspaper. Being a semi-film buff myself, and always looking for someone to talk movies with, Brian became a frequent person I would talk to about the latest movie news, releases, or whatever. These conversations were always incredibly insightful, engaging, and quite frankly, just plain fun. But I was always blown away by what Brian had to say. His thoughts and ideas about films and movie making are far beyond his years. Here, Brian talks about how his interest in film first began to develop. You know, I can't exactly, you know, name the reasons as to why I was particularly drawn to movies. Um, I I think some of it came from I I picked up acting in like grammar school. I would do like school plays and stuff like that. So you know, you want to watch and learn because uh, there's nothing more embarrassing than getting up on a stage and looking like a fool. Uh, and there's so, and as a kid, you can't really learn. You can't, there aren't like professional grade acting classes that you can go to. You either learn by doing or you learn by watching. So if you don't have a place where you can learn, you know, by doing, you learn by watching. So I became kind of a student of just watching, you know, other actors and then, you know, hooked. But movies were always playing in the house from, you know, a really young age. And, you know, probably movies where, you know, I'd probably seen Jaws north of 20 times by the time I was 10. But it wasn't just Jaws that got Brian into movies. As he mentioned earlier, movies were usually on in his house. So I was curious if Brian's parents were then film buffs. I don't know if I would go so far as to call, like, my mom and dad film buffs. I think that they're certainly film appreciators, there's certainly two people who, you know, love seeing a good movie and can certainly rip apart a bad movie. But I think that that was kind of magnified with me, my brother and I, uh, where we are both in our family, just massive consumers of film and television. Uh, my sister, a little less. So I think she fits kind of more with like my parents of it's something I like. It's something I enjoy, but you know, to me and my brother, it was like movie culture, you know, was, was always tops. We sometimes take it for granted, but at some point, movies and films had to make a first impression, whether it's a positive one or a negative one. 
We all have that one movie that always sticks out in our minds from our childhood. Thinking back, you know, I there are certain movies that I can always remember having seen. I don't remember a time where I wasn't aware of the movie Jaws or I wasn't aware of, you know, Star Wars. But I, I think thinking back, one of the first film viewing experiences I had that I, I vividly remember because it so bothered me and so disturbed me was actually seeing the original black and white Frankenstein from 1931 uh, we would rent those kind of classic Universal monster movies pretty much every New Year's Eve. Um, I think I was maybe in about second or third grade when when I saw Frankenstein, and it's the scene. Uh, I don't know if you know the scene in particular, but when he's taking the he shows up at the farm. Oh, the, and, little, and the girl? little girl yeah. is playing by the creek with the the flowers. She's the throwing boats. the flowers and, and watching them float. And the monster shows up, and you immediately know what's going to happen. And it, you, you just know it's not going to end well for either of them. And it, 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 it probably bothered me because I looked at that girl and I was like, I could, I'm that age, I could be that kid, you know, if the Frankenstein monster shows up. <laughs> but, uh, but it's one of those things where you understand almost sort of in an of mice and men type way. He doesn't understand. He doesn't, the monster doesn't know that what he's about to do is a death sentence for him. And it's, it's one of those movies and it's one of those moments that always sticks in my mind because it bothered me so much when I first saw it. And it still unnerves me a little bit now. It, may, it, it, it went from scaring me to making me incredibly sad. Now, it sounds like Frankenstein had a negative effect on Brian. That's not the case at all. Remember, it's a horror movie, and it should elicit a sense of horror from the audience. But as Brian continues, it turns out that Frankenstein and other Universal Monster movies turn out to be much more than just movies to him. You know, honestly, I think a lot of those films from that genre and from that era those in a lot of ways become the manual for what I consider to be effective movie making because they were made, you know, they were B pictures back in the time when B pictures were, I mean, were utter garbage. You know, they, the studios didn't regard those as great legacies like they do now. So it's sort of, it's, those movies are so effective without having to do a lot because they couldn't do a lot. Mm -hmm. They had to get really creative in how they shot things and how they frame things. And so much of those are that Frankenstein movie is it's not even a quarter of an adaptation of the Mary Shelley book because you couldn't book on that kind of budget. You know, it's like simple visual not always simple in, in theme, you know, that's certainly not a movie that's simple in theme, but a movie that is told in such a, a, a simple dramatic language. I think it's safe to say that for most of us, we see movies as a form of escapism. After a long day at work, we come home, we eat our dinners, and we turn on Netflix to take us away from our problems. But Brian isn't like most of us. In fact, he sees movies as something else entirely. 
Oddly enough, though, I wouldn't say that escapism is number one on that list. And I'm sure for a lot of people it is. And I'm not, you know, movies are a great way to take your mind off something. But I actually find that I'm kind of drawn more to movies that that have some sort of impact on me personally. The movies that kind of sneak up on you and and you're like oh i wasn't expecting that to touch me in the way that it touched me it reminded me of something or it found something inside me that won't let me escape that is very much pulling me into the story i find that i'm pulled into stories that find a way to make it look like we're going on an adventure make it look like we're doing something but underneath it's pulling you in it's pulling you in emotionally it's pulling you in intellectually one movie that uh, fits that example, I was just talking about this the other day because um, we're talking about this in a new Marvel movie, uh, Captain America Civil War has come out. And I actually think uh, that the one bef- the Captain America movie before this, uh, The Winter Soldier, was one that really surprised me when I saw it. Because you, you go in and you sit down and you got your popcorn and you're thinking, okay, we're going to watch Captain America fight some bad guys. And you start watching the movie and suddenly you're realizing that it's a criticism of the Patriot Act. And it's a criticism of Homeland Security. And it's a criticism of a lot of things that are very present in our lives. And I'm very politically interested I'm not, I don't think I'd go so far as to call myself politically active, but I'm very interested in politics. And I found myself kind of agreeing with this movie that, you know, we're told it's a comic book. It's bright. It's fun. It's not supposed to say anything. And yet it's saying something very deep and something that I happen, it's a criticism that I happen to agree with. I think it's a way to get a conversation into the mainstream that we normally would feel very uncomfortable having. And it's interesting that the argument against the Patriot Act is put in the mouth of Captain America. Captain America, the most patriot, he wears the flag when he fights bad guys, is the one saying, this is the most unpatriotic thing I have ever seen, and being disgusted by it. Movies making political commentary is nothing new. But who would think that a quote-unquote superhero movie could make such a powerful statement on current political events. But, in addition to commentary, Brian told me about how he sees movies creating a sense of community amongst others. I think in a lot of ways, being a a movie fan or a fan of anything um, immediately connects you to other people. Especially if something's popular. It sort of diffuses any situation where if you're in a situation and you know someone... Or, you know, the subject comes up and you're all talking about it. It's a great way to immediately kind of engage with people. You know, going to the movies seems like a really anti-social activity, but I actually found it's kind of the opposite. Because who doesn't love movies? Who doesn't have a favorite movie? Who doesn't have a movie that they can, you know, talk kind of ad nauseum about or almost recite verbatim? Even people who go like, I don't go to the movies often, but man, I love this one movie. I love that movie. And they and if you get people on that, that's a great thing. It's a great kind of social lubricant, I think. Moving along in the conversation with Brian, I had to ask him about a piece of movie culture that's currently changing. Film distribution. 
even up to five or eight years ago, you would go to a video store or a blockbuster to rent your DVDs. If you're looking for suggestions, you had clerks that had what seemed like an unlimited amount of film knowledge to help you. Now with Netflix or Amazon Prime or Hulu, this culture seems to be going away. As a film buff, Brian has mixed emotions about this change. Well, Blockbuster was like the greatest thing ever growing up because it it was sort of it was like church for for movie lovers. It was like welcome, you know, all are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it, in a way it was also sort of like church because it was the same stories over and over and over again because we were also the kind of kids that would just get into like I want to watch this movie and then I want to watch it again and again and again and again uh, until I've worn out the tape or until Blockbuster starts to get suspicious as to why we're renting this so many times. You know, there was also like Video Playground, a great local store. And it was great kind of when my friends and I got older, you know, kind of in our teen years because you'd go in and you could kind of describe to them what you wanted and they... But not only that, I always kind of looked a little bit older. So I could kind of get away with running like R-rated movies and stuff like that. And they wouldn't really, they wouldn't really hassle me. Yeah. So it it was great because you could, you know, you could, it was like you could either visit old friends or you could make new friends kind of a situation. Did you want to revisit a great adventure you'd been on before, or did you want a completely new adventure? We didn't buy a lot of movies early on because VHS tapes and and DVDs in those early, early days, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, (laughs) were still really expensive. You really only bought kind of the movies you were like, well, I can't live without this. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of how... That and television. Television, of course, you would... I remember the days where you got a TV guide and you would go through and you would like, okay, this is on on Tuesday at 8.45 p.m. I'm going to be home on Tuesday at 8.45 p.m. so I can see this movie that I've always wanted to see. So it was kind of a little bit of both. I miss the thrill of the hunt, the thrill of you're looking for that thing and you find it and you almost feel like you've accomplished something when really all you did was go to the video store. Nearing the end of my conversation with Brian... I had to ask him the question all film buffs either love or hate the top five list. So I want this to be said with the understanding that the top five changes constantly. It is an, it's like asking how it's like asking the humidity outside. It's just going to be different every day. I can't always predict what it's going to be, but on this particular day, my standard top five always looks kind of like this. Uh, and you could throw them on the floor in any order. Uh, Goodfellas, Jaws, The Exorcist, Alien, Butch Cassidy, and The Sundance Kid. I think those would be my five. Earlier in this program, I mentioned how in my previous conversations with Brian, he would usually say something that I found to be really profound. Well, I couldn't let this episode close without showcasing a little sample of it. I think probably I agree so much with the Roger Ebert school of thinking on that subject that movies are the empathy machine. Movies can show you 
and make you feel things that you might not otherwise ever be exposed to in your life. And they help you connect with subject matters that you may not have firsthand experience with. And yeah, you don't become an expert because you watched a movie. You know, you'll never understand what it's like to lose a kid because you've seen ordinary people. But maybe if you're lucky and if you're paying just enough of attention, you get a little bit of a taste of what that movie's trying to show you. You gain a little bit of a human understanding through watching a movie. Movies are a special thing. They bring strangers together around a common interest, take our emotions on all sorts of roller coaster rides, and allow the dreamers in all of us to dream of faraway lands, lost loves, and anything else you can think of. If there is one thing I will take away from this conversation, it's this. Filmmaking is so much more than making a movie. It's storytelling at its highest form. This edition of The Looking Glass was written, recorded, and edited by Peter Creighton. The Looking Glass was created by Steven Anderson and me, Peter Creighton. A special thanks goes out to Brian Lochran for sitting down with me and talking movies. For more information on The Looking Glass, please visit our SoundCloud account at soundcloud.com slash lookingglasspodcast. You can also email the show at thelookingglasspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Peter Creighton, and cheers. Cheers.